What are your thoughts on working from home if home was the moon? <laughs> Look, most of us won't be going to the moon, but NASA is saying that astronauts are going to be living and working on the lunar surface by the end of this decade. It does seem a bit ambitious for the next few years, but experts say it is going to happen. And actually, everyone's trying to get to the moon at the moment. It's a popular destination. There have been some big announcements in space news this week. Like, I also saw the world's first astronaut with a physical disability has been selected by the European Space Agency. So it's all happening. Let's get the lowdown from our space expert. Dr. Brad Tucker is an astrophysicist from ANU. Dr. Brad, NASA says we can get astronauts on the moon by 2030. It sounds cool, but I'm wondering why it's important. Like, what would we gain from having people being able to work on the moon? So, look, in some degree, there's kind of two main things. There is doing things on the moon allows us to open up a whole new world of science and research that is a lot harder around the Earth that we just can't do on the Earth. You know, one of the legacies of the Apollo mission is we learned so much about the Earth and moon, sun, and how that system works together. It transformed the way we know and actually even live. Uh, and so you have that aspect, and then it really is, if you can get set up and operating on the moon, it will make getting to Mars easier. Now, it's not just because it, it's closer. It's only 384,000 kilometers closer, and when the trip is tens of millions of kilometers, it's got nothing. But it means that um, it's easier to launch from the moon because it has less gravity. There is stuff we can use, essentially water on the moon. And you can essentially test and develop things that will go to Mars all by doing it on the moon. So it's kind of that pathway or, or that pit stop, essentially, on our way to Mars and maybe even beyond Mars. And like I said, the moon seems to be pretty hot property at the moment. Like everyone's trying to get there, not just the big <laughs> space agencies, but also private companies as well, right? That's right. And so the and this is kind of cool is, you know, groups are working together and doing their own thing. There's definitely some FOMO with the moon, right? You know, you, you don't want to not be there. <laughs> Japan will be uh, landing a private mission on the moon for, for supplies uh, in three weeks' time. And Australia is doing a lot as well. We have our own projects being developed. We'll be putting a rover on the moon as part of the fourth Artemis mission. Uh, so there's all this sort of stuff happening both companies and private and governments and non-US and US. And that's kind of also what makes it different. It's not just like an American putting a flag thing versus another country. This is really getting more and more people uh, and countries and groups involved in this exploration. Is it pretty controversial, the idea of building on the moon? Is there a lot of like fighting and debating about how much we'll do, when we'll do it, where we'll do it? Look, there is a bit, you know, it's a, you know, location, 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 <laughs> like in real estate, uh, no different on the moon. And so there's a lot of, there's very clear legal treaties that say you, what you can and cannot do. You know, no one can own the moon, you can't claim it, but you also have your right to protect your own stuff on the moon. So there is a bit of wanting to get the best spots and the best things, but there still is a fairly broad cooperation ac across the sector. I think the the race really is not just being first, but really setting yourself up for that long-term success but and working with other people as well. So it's a very different world. And I think that's the exciting thing because it's also not just the world of engineers or physicists or people like me. There's so much work in biology, uh, ecology. There's a whole group across Australia trying to figure out the best plants to grow there. Uh, medicine, you know, you name it. 
these are the skill sets that are being involved in making this a reality. Brad, something else that grabbed my attention this week, a study that's been announced to look into whether we can get solar energy from space and beam it back to Earth wirelessly. It sounds wild. Is this actually possible? Could we get renewable energy coming from space? Yeah, so this idea has been around for for decades. Uh, It's not necessarily a new thing. What makes it new is now the development of technology is so far advanced that maybe it's now possible. You know, we've been using solar power in space for craft and things like that since the beginning of satellites. Uh, And people don't realize that solar panels actually um, are too efficient in space because you don't have that atmosphere. There's a lot of energy that you get from the sun. In fact, too much energy, uh, meaning you don't really need it all. So the idea is that, hey, there's so many obviously areas you could put solar panels in orbit and you then can transmit that energy back down to earth. So instead of a, a power plant uh, or you know a dam transmitting the electricity via wires, can you emit it via some sort of wireless system, uh, microwaves, infrared, some other system? Now you'll lose energy in the process because of how much energy you need to get down. But the idea is, well, you'll get generate just so much energy, even if you lose a larger fraction of it on Earth, you're still net gaining a lot more. So this is now an idea being seriously developed, especially by the Europeans uh, and NASA as well, doing the initial studies and saying, just how possible is it? How much are we going to generate? What are the costs? And what can we do with it? And Brad, as I mentioned earlier, the European Space Agency's recruited the world's first astronaut with a physical disability, the first para-astronaut, John McFall. He lost his leg in an accident. He's gone on to do amazing stuff. This seems like a huge milestone. It is, and it's one that Europe started to talk about a few years ago when they were opening up to this latest astronaut class because space is the one area that kind of uh, equals everyone's ability. You take away gravity, it's essentially the same thing for everyone. And so Europe really said, well, look, there's actually no reason um, and there's no more excuses we should have for limiting people who are differently abled or have uh, maybe some sort of physical uh, limitation that may normal limit them on Earth. That, that is taken out of the equation in space. It's the ultimate equalizer. So it's a huge step forward, as you said. Uh, you know, They said they were going to do it. They delivered as one of the 11 astronauts selected in this current group. And really, I think, will transform the way we think about space. You know, Just as uh, you know, swimming and being in the ocean is different than walking on the ground, so is going in space in that microgravity environment. So it's going to be amazing to see that not only unfold – as eventually he goes into space, but what it means for future groups of astronauts who are selected to go to the moon or other places in space. It's so interesting. We'll be keeping an eye on that. Dr. Brad Tucker from ANU, thank you for filling us in on all of that great space news. We'll hear from you again soon. Thank you very much for your time. No worries. Take care. Hack on Triple J.